Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium is made possible by Lord Bloodraw's Patreon supporters. Lord Bloodraw keeps the love of vintage horror and science fiction alive with three weekly shows. The Nerve-Wracking Auditorium, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve-Wracking Theater, the long-running syndicated TV series presenting horror and science fiction feature films, and the Patreon-exclusive series, Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, presenting episodes of classic genre TV shows. For more info, and to see the premiere episode of Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, go to patreon.com slash lordbloodraw. Ah, I'm so glad you're here. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Lord Bloodraw. I host horror and science fiction films on my TV series, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rack and Theater, but here, in this cool, intimate darkness, I'll be presenting tales of horror and the uncanny solely for you, alone. In this auditorium within your mind, you will coalesce the settings and the players from the ether of your imagination. Your terror will be your own creation. This is the sorcery of sound, the subtle magic of old-time radio. Horror. Horror. at the door. You will not need them. This is Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium. There are numerous tales of haunted objects. Rocking chairs that rock all on their own. Dolls that move their heads to stare blankly at you. Tonight's tale is about one such object. A very unusual haunted object. One imbued with so much agony, so much pain forged into twisted hatred, that its tale can haunt the mind forever. Here, from Theater 1030, comes the tale, The Screaming Skull. Time to tell tales of the unaccountable. Of apparitions by night and phantoms in shadow. Time to tell strange stories of fantasy and the supernatural. Theater 1030 presents The Screaming Skull, a tale of the supernatural by George Selverson, based on a story by E. Marion Crawford and starring Tommy Tweed as the captain and Hugh Webster as James.
to the house, Captain? It is, James. Nice place for an old sea dog to retire to. It's a pretty little property, just the thing for an old sailor like me who's taken to gardening. <laughs> you won't be gardening in this weather. That's true, James. Let's get in out of the wet. Listen to the wind and the sea. You must feel right at home here. At home? Come in. Come in, James. Close the door. Right. Sit there by the fire. I'll put something in a glass to warm you. Wonderful. Ah, it's a night for a burning log on the hearth. And for Holland Gid. <laughs> it's the same I brought Luke from Amsterdam 25 years ago. <laughs> he never touched a drop of it. Luke was your cousin, Captain Barrett, with me? He was. That's how I came by this house. After he died and his boy Charlie was killed in South Africa, there were no relations left. Here now, see if this doesn't warm your blood, James. <laughs> Thank you. Wasn't there a Mrs. Pratt? Yes. Yes, yes, there was. What happened to her? Well, she died before Luke. <coughs> a strong stop, Captain. Listen. You can hear the tide. Gloomy sound, isn't it? Yes. Do you remember the German ship we sailed on? Did you hear that, Captain? Yes. Someone screamed. It must be from the beach. No, it isn't from the beach. Oh, someone may be in trouble. We'd best have a look. Sit down, James. No one's in trouble. Well, why do you say that? You said you heard it, too? What's interesting is that you heard it, James. What do you mean by that? There are always people who think it's the wind or my imagination. Then what was it? Put another stick on the fire, will you? Yes. It's only something to do with the wind and the tide. Yeah, this is good enough for old sailors like us, James. I don't think Mary Pratt was very happy here. Hmm. Might be a little gloomy for a woman at that. Poor woman. I suppose in a way I was responsible for her death. What's that, Captain? It was on a night like this. I was at home for a spell, waiting to take the Olympia out on her first trip. Is that the voyage when she broke the record? No, that was the next one. Oh. But that date, it's, hmm, 1892? In November. Hmm. In this very room it was. Oh, the weather was dirty. Pratt was in his usual bad temper, and poor Mary Pratt's dinner was a failure. You see that, Captain? My wife is trying to poison me. Luke, he's, he's joking, Mary. Oh, I wish he were joking. Uh, Welsh rabbit, raw turnips, and half-boiled mutton. Charles, if you ever marry, don't marry a fool. You see what he thinks of me? You see how he goes on. On second thought, perhaps it's better to marry a woman foolish enough to poison you with Welsh rabbit instead of spun glass or chocolate horsehair. <laughs> oh, you see, Luke's only joking. After all, he's a doctor. He knows all the antidotes, eh, Luke? Not for some things. Oh, of course. There was that woman in Ireland, the one who did for three husbands before anyone suspected a thing. Be glad you aren't married to one like that, Luke. How did she manage it? Well, her fourth husband managed to keep awake after she drugged him and caught her at it. Caught her at what? 
Well, she had a little horn funnel, and she put it into his ear. Ho, 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 This sounds rather ridiculous, old man. Well, that's what he thought, until he saw her coming with a ladle filled with melted lead. That's rather funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Joe, that's awful. Oh, don't you dare tell such a story here ever again. Yeah. In this very room it was. James, if I were you, I would never tell ugly stories about ingenious ways of killing people. Listen. You heard that sound again, Captain? No, that was the wind backing up to the cellar again. I can tell by the sound. Are you trying to tell me that Mrs. Pratt killed her husband? No, she couldn't have. You see, she died that same November. Good heavens, man. Yes, Luke was a lonely man after that. Lonely? Oh, I could see it. I came to see him now and then. And he looked lonely? Oh, yes. Very worn and nervous. That last time I saw him, there was the thing about the dog. Thing about a dog? Yes. Luke was so thin, his head looked like a skull with parchment stretched over it. And his eyes had a sort of glare. He glared at me when I asked about the dog. I killed the dog. That sweet-tempered old bulldog. I could stand it no longer, Charles. But the, the dog was ill. No. But he used to climb into that chair where you're sitting now. Yes, that was my wife's chair, you know. Well, I know, Luke, but after all... You never saw him do it. Old Bumble used to sit there and stare at me. We'd stare at each other, thinking over old times. And then and the food dog would begin to shake all over and set up a howl as if he'd been shot, and then he'd run and hide under the sideboard, making the strangest noises. Why, poor old Bumble. I couldn't stand it. He didn't suffer at all, Charles. I put dynamine into his drink to make him sleep soundly. And then I chloroformed him gradually so that he couldn't have suffered even in a dream. He didn't suffer. Well, I... I believe you, Lou. He didn't suffer a bit. And it's been quieter since then. He said, it's been quieter since then. Now I know what he meant. He meant that he didn't hear that noise so often. Perhaps he thought at first that it was old Bumble in the yard howling at the moon. Perhaps that's what he thought. Good heavens, it's not that kind of noise at all, is it, James? That sound. What is it, Captain? Don't be frightened, man. It won't eat you. It's only a noise. And a noise never hurt anyone. That's all very well. But what is it? When I don't understand a thing, I call it a phenomenon. And I don't take it for granted that it's going to kill me. Besides, what is there to prove Luke killed his wife? Is there a connection? Did I say there was? Well, you were. What did they say she died of? She died in bed. A few days after I told that story. But of what? A heart trouble. But you don't believe that? Why not? Luke called in another doctor and he believed it. But you don't. Of course I believe it. Only... Only... Pour yourself another drop and I'll show you something. I think I will. (laughs) 
I keep it locked in this old roller-top desk of Luke's. That's where I found it, you know. Ah, here we are. You mean that pistol? Oh, no, no, no. That's the old pistol I bought in Rio for a souvenir when you and I went ashore. You remember the Leofit, James? Mm-hmm. Grand vessel. Sail. Those were the days, James. What were you going to show me? I imagine Luke was fond of deep-sea fishing and probably used this for casting a sinker for a nightline. Do you think, James? An iron ladle? You can what? see there. It was hardened in the bottom of the bowl. The melted lead. Why, James, you dropped your drink. I'll get you another. You won't mention this, will you? After all, Luke's dead now, with an honest man's tombstone at his head. There was trouble enough about his death as it was. No reason for James Treherne to hear about a thing like this later. Eloi. Thanks. James Traherne? He's the sexton and he works in my garden. Works in your garden? Oh, I, I, I didn't tell you about that. It was when I retired and having inherited the property from poor old Luke, I moved in. This James Traherne showed me through the house and told me the story and showed me the thing in the cupboard. That curious thing to keep in the cupboard? I mean, when you consider this here's the bedroom. This hat box? Hmm. Same as they found by old Luke down on the beach. When he died? That's right. You remember the verdict? By the hands or teeth of some person or animal unknown. I know. I know. I heard all about that. Some big dog chewed him to death. That don't horrify you, Captain. Oh, I suppose... I've seen a good deal around this world, however. Mm. Have you ever seen a bit of interior decoration like this? What is it? Hot box. Open it up, Captain. Oh, you're, you're very mysterious, Mr. Hearn. All right, I'll open it up. Uh, very pretty. And polished. And white painted, Captain. A skull. It's what it is, all right. Found by him when he was dead, there on the beach. Oh, what of it? Luke was a doctor. It's not unusual for a doctor to have a thing like this. Mm, but it is unusual for a thing like this to roll. Uh, when he fell dead, mind you, not down the slope of the beach towards his feet, but up the slope of the beach toward his head. Oh, oh, oh what? He rolled up the beach. Oh. From where the open hat box was found. Oh, 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 oh. phenomenon. Mm, this here phenomenon lay right up against his poor throat, all broken and bruised by, I can't say, Captain, some big dog. Uh, do you notice something else? No. Here, take it. Well, give it a shake. Huh? Go on, shake it. Oh, 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 all right. Mm-hmm. No. Ain't that a peculiar sound? There's, there's something inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty small. Very nice shape to it. Perfect teeth. Well, it's, it's only a medical specimen. I wonder where the lower jaw got to. With them teeth, she would have had a pretty smile. Who did she get them?
that's what he said. After that, I got something into my head. Oh, I don't mean anything supernatural. As far as that goes, I'd rather face any shape of ghost than a fog in the channel when it's crowded, eh, James? Oh, what was it you got into your head? No, no, there's no sense to it. Didn't she have a Christian burial? Oh, certainly. She's lying in the churchyard waiting for her and put her to rest. It's monstrous. To suppose her husband kept her skull in her old hat box in the bedroom. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Captain, you play me for a fool. Pour me another drink. Yes, it's ridiculous. I suppose he had done. I mean, the ladle and the melted lead and all that. But then, why did he do this other thing? Yes. Why? He could have been afraid of something else that I told him when I told that story. What? Well, the woman that did for those three husbands, they dug up the three skulls, you know. And? And in each, there was a small lump of lead rattling around. That's what hanged her. I suppose he'd remember that with the vital evidence. <laughs> Captain Charlie Braddock. <laughs> you old fraud, you seed on your pirate, you old devil. <laughs> Get me another drink, <laughs> What is so funny? You invite me here to this, this haunted-looking cottage of yours by the gloomy sea. And you set me down by your fireplace and spin me a yarn like a <laughs> <laughs> you old lying fraud of a sailor. Lord, he'd remember that was the vital evidence. I've often wondered how he managed it. What do you suppose he put in its place? Do you mean? That sound came from your bedroom, James. Let me tell you about the night I tried to get rid of the thing. It's not happy anywhere else, you know. It wants to be in Mary Pratt's hat box in that cupboard. At least I think it does. I sleep in Luke's old surgery now, you know. But then when I first came, I slept in the bedroom. Why, I slept well. Would you know an old sailor? No natural sound disturbs you. Not all the racket of a square rigger hoped to in a heavy gale. But any unnatural sound, and you wake in a moment. That's how it was every night at exactly 17 minutes past three. I wonder if that was the hour she died. Then I would hear it and be exploded into a wakeful terror. Not again. I won't have that again. I, I, I won't stand this anymore. Now, I'm going to settle this. I'll take you and... Yes, the widow. There. Here you go. And march them all out the window. Hearing deafen me, but never let me hear that again. Ah! I would not stop screaming. Then, when I thought I would go mad, it fell silent. 
sat on my bed, listening, waiting. Hours passed. Then I heard a totally unexpected sound. Turned it to its cupboard in the bedroom. After that, I slept in Luke's old surgery. <laughs> but still, it screams at me. It hates me. I was the one who told Luke the story, you know. Listen, James. The wind and the tide. Captain. You have to go on with this story. Can't we talk about old times? Yes, yes, old times. Yes. Remember old Blocklot? Uh, a carpenter, wasn't he? Yes. On the clock time. Uh, uh, I remember. He used to say, when we were hove to in the howling gale. I remember. I remember. Biddy, DeBoer, Bemmel, Shore, <laughs> his night <eye-fies. laughs> that, That's just the way he'd say it. Yes. And always on a night like this. <laughs> James. <laughs> you fraud. That's the classic sound of wind howling in the chimney. James, <laughs> I'll get the thing and show it to you. Here's the box. That's it? Yes. My candle went out as I brought it downstairs. Well, uh, put the box down. It went out. But it was the draft from the leaky window on the landing. Put it down. Yes. Did you hear anything when I went up? Yes. There was another scream. Whatever that scream came from, it wasn't from this. No? 
I had the box in my hand when I heard the noise, and here it is now. So we have proved definitely that the screams are produced by something else. But chimney, to think I could have been so weak as to fancy that the poor skull could really cry out like a living thing with the agony of melted lead poured through the ear into its brain. Then don't talk that way, Captain. No, no, I, I, I won't. Well, if you're going to show me Luke's medical specimen, open the box. Yes, yes, I will, James. You see how carefully I wrap it in brown butcher's paper and tied it with string. Mm -hmm. We look at it under the bright lamp. It's awful to think that the poor lady used to sit there in your chair mm -hmm. where the dog Bumble later stared at Luke in just the same lamplight. Oh, come, come now, Captain. Let's have a look at this. See? Here's the label I put on it to seal the string. And here's what I wrote. Hmm. Once the property of the late Luke Pratt, M.D., one skull. Hmm. Well, open it, Captain. I often wondered what sort of hat it was that came in this box. What kind of hat? A gay spring hat with a bobbin feather and pretty ribbons. Strange if this same box should hold the head that wore oh, that... Bernard. Yes, yes. Open it. Oh. <laughs> I don't have the strength in my hands anymore, James. Can you break the string? Yes. There. Now. Oh, good Lord, take the lamp, the window. James, the lamp. Close that window, Captain. Yes, 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 I'll close the window, but don't get the lamp closed if you can help. How can I help it if you don't close the blasted window? Now, shut out that gale. Yes, please. Yeah. Here. The bolt was only half down. It won't blow open again. That's the advantage of these old-fashioned windows with the boat. Now, the hat box. Where is it? Huh? Did it blow off the table? Oh, must be here. Ah, uh, there it is, on the floor. Ah, uh, hand it up there, will you, James? Uh, there you are. Now, open it. Here. You see? The lid comes off easily enough. There. Now, look, James. At what? There's nothing in the box. What? Empty? Hmm. Empty, Captain. No, that must not be. Captain, there never was a skull, was there? There was a skull? No skull. You imagined the whole thing. Yeah, yes. Yes, I imagined it. <laughs> Turn up the lamp. Yes. You've been living alone too long, old friend. I can't understand. Do you suppose the sextant Traherne suspects something? Do you suppose he could have stolen it? Why would he steal it? What's that? On the floor. Where? There, by your foot. Oh, Captain, for heaven's sake, nothing. Nothing at all, but... But this... But what? This... <clears throat> then I'm guilty. Then Luke did listen to the story. The thing does hate me. And this fell out just now when the box blew to the floor. It hates me. Why would it hate you? Because I told the story. And there you have the end of the story. 
a round ball of lead. Then, where's the skull? Do you want me to answer? No. No, I'm not going to answer it, Captain. It hates me. I told Luke the story. How did it get out of the box this time? This is no affair. <laughs> Captain, I'm going. Are you coming? Where? Out the other way, the back way. No. It hates me. It blames me. Then I'm going. You can come or not. No, it hates me. Come with me, Captain. Give this and come with me. No. Then God help you. Because I can't. James. James. What do you want of me? Don't do that. Don't. I know, I know the frightful agony, the hot lead, the melted metal searing into the brain. Don't blame me. I know. I know what you want. Here. Here it is. My pistol. The old pistol from Leo. You remember, James? No. I won't answer. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. I won't open the door. I knew what you wanted. has presented The Screaming Skulls, a tale of the supernatural by Marion Crawford, adapted for radio by George Salverson, with Hugh Webster as James, Tommy Tweed as the captain, Drew Thompson as Luke, Marion Waldman as Mary, his wife, and Eric Clavering as Trelevin. Sound effects were by John Fliz. Technical operation, Robert Burt. This is Bill Lauren speaking. It is said that extreme emotion can leave behind its imprint on objects and places, and this has been one way to explain haunted happenings. Curious, it's never extremely happy emotions that seem to manifest themselves. Only horror, shock, searing pain, like the shock of being awakened by the agony of having hot lead poured into your ear. Thank you for joining me in the Nerve Rackin' Auditorium, and I hope you'll come again. But now it's time for you to rejoin the, uh, real world. I am Lord Bloodraw, and I'll be waiting here for you in the shadows of your mind until the next time you seek the darkness. Good night.
Welcome to Planet 8. Every two weeks, the crew at Planet 8 Podcast explores the many worlds of science fiction, fantasy, superheroes, monsters, and more. We cover the latest movies and TV shows, as well as old favorites, too. Yeah, like Planet of the Apes. It's a man A man Hey, guys, don't forget Star Trek. Fascinating. Or classic monsters like King Kong, Creature from the Black Lagoon, or Godzilla. If it's nerdy or geeky, we'll probably be talking about it. So why don't you tune in and check us out? You can find us on iTunes or other fine podcast providers. Come join the conversation at our website, planet8podcast.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. This is Planet 8 Podcast, signing off. End transmission.